Welcome back, Rage Nation. Definitely not PR friends. Myself, Pete. He needs to stop, like, fucking getting cute with these kicks. John the Mountain Man Stokes. You're not putting them on my models, motherfucker. Chris the non-tech Asian. Put the tape measure up and get some wages. You, yeah, no, you really frustrated me. You walked away and you came back and your scalpel had been thrown across the room. <laughs> I'm just here so I don't get fined. I will will share with you my one rage quit story. Dude, I'm a robot and I don't have a solo across now eight. This is going to be a really great opportunity for everybody to see how you effed up. Welcome back, Rage Nation. We got another dive into the deep end. So we're going to talk about another game of Malifaux that me, myself, and Chris played. Today, we're going to look into a different matchup we did. We actually got into a different Explorer Master. And yeah, we're, we're just going to kind of cook through this Master, this Master, this explorers society faction because a lot of the masters are really cool so we're really excited to get into them but yeah we got my boy chris back with us how you doing there uh chris doing great doing great before we get into that one thing that i did want to mention is we did restructure how our patreon patreon page is going to work for rage quit wire if you go to the patreon.com slash rage quit wire we actually set it up where it's just pay what you want and you can support anywhere from a dollar to whatever. And any support for the podcast is just very much appreciated. We actually set up a goal for our Patreon, where if we get up to 20 patrons, we're actually going to start doing a monthly video, uh, which could include Malifaux gameplay and different reveals, unboxings, whatever. Uh, the latest one we did, we actually unboxed the new Apex keyword boxes. Uh, so that's up on the Rage Quit Wire YouTube channel. So give that give that a look. Any support for the podcast will be much, much appreciated. So I do want to give a shout out to a few of our newer patrons. I'll just do our, our brand new ones uh, just so we can appreciate them. And then we'll start calling out uh, other patrons as well. But thanks go out to Joe Hadfield, Kylie Woodland, Rolf Ravendahl, Michael Roper, and then Nathaniel Luckett. So thanks guys for being our newest members of the Rage Quit Wire Patreon. So with that being said, Chris and I had another pool that we got and I'll go through kind of the whole pool. We'll talk about what we declared and then we'll kind of go through what we ended up picking as far as our crews, what were the schemes that we decided to pick. And then finally, we'll go into how the game kind of settled and our thoughts about this keyword. So Chris, this was actually an interesting pool I'll go ahead and go through it, and then you can tell me why you decided to pick the faction and master that you did pick. So it was standard deployment again. We kind of got into standard. Uh, we got corrupted ley lines. So that one's always interesting because you're trying to get the lodestone to one of the uh, areas. You have breakthrough, vendetta, hidden martyrs, runic binding, and leave your mark. So, Chris, when you're looking at this pool, first off, you declared explorers, and I declared... Neverborn. So why did you pick the master that you did? I picked English Ivan because he looked the most exciting of all the explorers. Um, he seemed uh, like my kind of master. And I wanted to uh, try explorers out because, you know, we're, we're going through all the explorers and uh, trying to feel their play style and uh, gauge them a little bit. What did you think English Ivan was going to do well in this pool? Like when you looked at his cards 
and played him once, what were you like, okay, this is what he's good at? I thought he would be able to move around the board, control the board, and uh, be able to position correctly uh, with all of this uh, with this uh, strategy. Yeah, I think that was one of the things that I was kind of surprised about with English Ivan, just how mobile and flexible he was as a crew. I mean, that's one thing that we'll definitely talk about when we go through the, how the game played out. So the master that I ended up picking was Lucius. And I ended up picking Lucius because one, I haven't played him a lot. So I was kind of just wanting to get him on the board again. But then I also started looking at the pool and I saw Corrupted Ley Lines, which is scheming. I also saw Breakthrough and I saw Leave Your Mark, which once again are also schemes that I was like, okay, I can literally try to ignore you and just go do the scheme thing. And if anybody doesn't know how Lucius plays, he's just out of activation movement actions and just really getting your opponent to not do their thing, but also do his thing. So that's kind of why I picked him just because I was really excited about all the lures and all the obeys and just the cool things you can do with the chain activations with Lucius's keyword. Yeah, basically whatever you want. You can just do whatever you want with Lucius. Yeah, I was like, uh, I want that model over there. Let's go ahead and double walk him and, you know, blah, blah. So (laughs) it's just, I mean, because I had a security blanket because if some reason you moved me away from the objective, I could just, you know, obey somebody back to where they're supposed to be. It was, it was pretty good. Absolutely. What were the two schemes that you decided? I kind of already spoiled mine. I ended up picking breakthrough and leave your mark just because I was like, okay, I can get, you know, things way up the board and I can go ahead and really move my crew around. So that was obvious for me, but what were the two schemes that you were really eyeballing there, Chris? So the last time that I played against Lucius, I didn't get a lot of uh, the Killy vibes from Lucius and his crew, you know, coming at me. But the last time you played them, you played, uh, what what was the uh, model? Agent 40 or Agent something? 46, yeah. Agent 46, yeah. So he was a Killy model. And um, I kind of expected you to bring him. So I chose Hidden Martyrs and Leave Your Mark. Uh, Leave Your Mark because I can just hover right around the center with English Ivan. And uh, the crew that I chose, and I, I'm very flexible. I can leave scheme markers. I could change, you know, I could change my shadow markers into scheme markers. I can kind of do whatever I want with leave your mark. So leave your marks kind of a, a very easy, easy um, scheme for me to choose. But uh, the hidden martyrs I chose because I was thinking, um, you know, we haven't talked about our crews yet, but uh, one of my models was Ava. And then I also brought the operative, which they're kind of the same model. Um, Ava is just a souped up operative. And um, I was kind of going to feed you one of those two models, depending on where, you know, which side of the board you uh, you put that piece. <laughs> and then you didn't bring him. Didn't so, bring any killing yeah, shit at all. Didn't none, none at all. So <laughs> it kind of caught me by surprise. I mean, I saw your list, but, you know, I don't focus a lot when it comes to Lucius's models. And I really didn't know, you know too much about them um but uh i expected you to do at least a little damage which you did not i did no damage uh but chris let's go ahead and go through what what was the crew that you actually selected and brought so my crew uh which i thought was a just a phenomenal crew uh was english ivan and um and his uh his totem mr mordrick uh who both are phenomenal models yeah and then uh corvus rook with uh flush with gas 
which we found out last time for everyone who uh, listened to our last uh, joint podcast that uh, Flush with Cash is just an amazing, amazing upgrade. Gibson DeWaltz, Ava Havenhand, a Nocturne, an Operative, our what we have now decided is probably the best uh, best piece in the entire faction, Tannenbaum, and uh, and that was my that was my list. Yeah, and it's it's a really cool crew. Uh, I like the mix that you have of you know some of the gentlemen, but then you also have a actually you, you don't really focus much on the Spectre side, the uh, the Umbra side of it, but I think you summon enough to help you out throughout the game. So I think it's kind of interesting how you played him, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But I ended up bringing Lucius and the Scribe, of course. I brought two guild lawyers because they're super good. Uh, a doppelganger, changeling, two changelings. Alan Reed, which this is my first time using Alan Reed, so I'll give some thoughts about him. And then I brought one false witness, which I just, I love the false witnesses. The models are cool. And I just love how they're, you know, accusing people and throwing false information out there it's just it's a really neat model so yeah really interesting that you thought i was going to bring agent 46 and start putting some damage out which i probably could have done a little bit of damage just with all the obeys but i would have had to obey your models to do the damage so i mean that is what that is right all right so We got set up with our crews and I ended up deciding to put the lodestone on the changelings because they have stealth and they have manipulative. They're pretty hard to deal with. Uh, If you can deal with them, they're easy to take down though with four hit points. So I figured, hey, they're going to be good models. I can, you know, obey them to move around further and pass the lodestone off. So I thought that was good with, to put the changelings on it. Which model did you put your lodestone on? I can't remember. I put mine on Noc- the Nocturne just because he had the movement. Oh, yeah, that stupid little cat beast thing. Little cat beast dog. Yeah, it doesn't care about severe terrain. It's good, man. Yep, it's good. And it's only five points, which is kind of the crazy part about it. Absolutely. All right, so we start getting into the turn. And anybody who hasn't played English Ivan yet, it is kind of shocking how quickly this crew gets up the board. I mean, you want to talk about kind of like what you did turn one to really position yourself up, Chris? Yeah. So uh, actually one of the things that I really wanted to hit on um, is positioning with uh, this crew. When you uh, deploy you, it's always helpful to position nicely. And I really learned a lot with this last game that we played when it came to positioning and Gibson, um, which I think I mentioned during the game, I wanted to say this, but I put all my pieces in the middle with the exception of Ava on the far right, the operative on the far left, and then I put Tannenbaum in the mid-left. So everyone else was just kind of huddled right there in the middle. Um, I didn't activate the way I wanted to or the way that I have now learned to, um, but I'll touch base on that when I'm talking about my different characters and what they do. Yeah, I mean, Gibson's kind of like one of those good tech pieces that really just kind of gets the engine going, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's exactly you, right. Because we, we noticed this. Can you speak a little bit to how the, especially the distracted friendly fire and the concealment works for basically Ivan's crew, because I feel like that's the biggest part you need to focus on with this crew. Yeah, with this crew, it's just, it's phenomenal. So uh, Ungentlemanly Affairs, which is uh, anyone who, well, so far, anyone that we've seen who has the DUA um, keyword, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, they have ungentlemanly affairs, which they are part of the Department of Ungentlemanly Affairs, which you know you told me about, uh, <laughs> which is pretty amazing, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyone who has distracted or suffers from friendly fire or uh, you know attacking enemies who have concealment, um, they actually get a positive. Uh, so they treat negatives as positives. So you yeah, want to be distracted on your own models. It's uh, it's basically a focus, you know, with the exception of you don't get any perks to the damage side. But on the duel, you do get a positive for when you have uh, distracted. And Gibson can just hand it out freely. Yeah, I think that this was your second game playing them. And I think after the first game, we both realized that, holy crap, you can stack you know, this on your own people, and then you take it off for, you know, your positives and stuff against these uh, duels. So it's just a really cool little function that they have to really make themselves do well. It is, especially when you're grouped up in the middle against uh, enemy, you can uh, throw out those shockwaves. Uh, it's once per activation. So, you know, you throw out a shockwave. Yeah. And what I was going to say is I was doing a different thing. I kind of was already setting up for my schemes I was basically going to have the lodestone score, uh, turn one and two, get the get the credit for that. But then I was also working on getting up the board. So I was sending up my one of my doppel or sorry, my doppelganger. And I was also sending up the false witness with the changeling to really start pushing up the board to really make you decide where you wanted to engage. Exactly. Which I don't know what your thought it was on how because I kind of set up my middle with a lawyer. Lucius, the scribe, uh, the changeling, and Alan Reed. So I basically had made you make a decision on, okay, are you going to focus in the middle here with my majority of my crew, or are you going to go after my scheme runners? And it seems like for most part, you were focusing on the middle. I was focusing on the middle, but I did um, I did dedicate uh, one model for each side to come and try to combat your, uh, your maneuverability. I sent Ava up the right, uh, which was purposeful because, uh, you know, the first part of that game, I did have hidden martyrs. I was going to try to get you to kill off one of those two, um, (laughs) Ava, and then the operative, which were the two pieces that I ran up the sides. So Ava, I was going to flow up the right and kind of, uh, you know, pick off whoever you were going to try to run the, the lodestone over to that side of the table for. Um, and then the operative, obviously I was just trying to run up on the left-hand side to kind of pull you in to, you know, to play around with her. Yeah, I, I do like the doppelganger a lot because the doppelganger, I feel like, can kind of handle herself better than a lot of scheme runners just because of how she has manipulative and disguised, so she's not going to get charged. Yeah, she just can disengage and go walk six inches somewhere else. So she's yeah. a really flexible piece. I like her a lot. She was a very flexible piece, and you got around Ava <laughs> magnificently with her. <laughs> I think that another model that I kind of was playing around with in the middle is I was trying to figure out how to use Alan Reed a lot. And I was like, he kind of wants to be in the middle. He's going to let me draw cards, which is kind of cool, which that's the thing I love about Lucius the most. You do just draw a crap ton of cards, which I know is frustrating when you see me like drawing like 10 cards a turn, right? It was very frustrating. But Alan Reed was actually kind of interesting because... Uh, he can put out slow, which actually helped out a lot. Uh, I should have u- utilized boring conversation a little bit more, but I actually liked his attack with Garot, I guess. But basically, you can stagger the models, do a little bit of damage. There's an execution trigger on there. So he's an interesting model. I, I 
don't know if I like him more than Agent 46, but he, he did a lot. I mean, he, he did some work holding up your line there for a couple turns. He held up my line very well. And uh, I actually, so I countered your um, your card draw those first couple of turns with uh, with my shockwaves. So that was actually pretty nice about uh, the DUA, uh, Department of yeah. Ungentlemanly Affairs, is a lot of their models have shockwaves. So there's a lot of tests that you have to pass. Yeah. And also, was it, I think it was either turn one or turn two. It might have been turn two, but I think it was turn one, man. I think you... Uh, summon the um, the broken specter. I think that was turn one. You it was turn one. In. Yeah, it was turn one. That sucked a lot. It did because it has that stupid. It has terrifying, which is always stupid. But I feel like it's the what is it? Is it the enveloping shadow or the hallowed glory? The one that sucks you in and does damage. Oh, that's um, that's hallowed glory. Yeah, that that's a son of a bitch, man. That's uh, that's because you got to pass a twelve movement, which you know it's hit or miss, but it pushes you three in, and then any models that's in base contact just takes two. So I had you sucked in my lawyer and you sucked in Alan Reed, and basically you ended up doing like six damage to both of them, turn one and two, and you killed off my lawyer turn two, and I was like, this is bad. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is not good. Yeah. Then I had to use Lucius and uh, Alan to beat up your Spectre before it could do more damage. Oh yeah, yeah. And not only that, but I was I was causing you to take those TN12 move duels with, you know, four to five of your models because you had them all yeah. conveniently right there in the center. So was... Well, yeah, cuz you know, Lucius wants people close so he can obey him to go do things and Yeah, it, yeah. I was threw... messing up your board state quite a you bit. Did. You did. So We'll go ahead and get into the important turns here. So, you know, the scoring of the points. So we are getting into turn two. We both have already, you know, gotten up because I feel like with I feel like with corrupted ley lines, you're going to get the first two, right? You're going to get your first two points because turn one, you should get the credit for being next to the first idol or whatever it's called. And then you you should be able to easily move the the stone to the next model to get points for your next one. I think the trick is then trying to get credit for the middle and the opposing sides. So that's kind of where the battle and the struggle started happening. So as the game started to develop and you saw I wasn't doing any damage to you, what were you going to do as far as in-game? Because you're like, oh crap, Pete's not actually doing damage. How am I going to get my other points for for Hidden Martyrs? Well, first off, Tannenbaum, phenomenal model. I just I really want to talk about uh, the ability to change your scheme mid game. Um, rewrite yeah, Tan- the story. Tannenbaum saved you a Tannenbaum lot with that. Saved me. Yeah. As soon as I realized Hidden Martyrs was complete, you know, failure, I was I, I really had to give it some thought. You know, okay, do I want to try and switch this or do I want to try and I don't know tempt you more because the operative uh, has a really cool ability where she could ping herself for a point of damage every time she does an action where she gets to choose a suit. So I can put myself down to, you know, one or two life. And then it's like almost a, a temptation. You can't resist, you know, oh, this, you know, this is a one hit, you know, kill for this model. But I felt that you wouldn't fall for that. So I rewrote the story and I chose uh, breakthrough instead. Um, yeah, so you want to kind of say just what rewrite the story is just for people that don't know. Yeah, rewrite the story is once per game, 
uh, I can take this action only during Tannenbaum's activation, and I replace one of my schemes with another secretly chosen scheme in this encounter's scheme pool, resolving any beginning of game effects now. Any model chosen must be in play. Uh, the new scheme cannot score victory points this turn, so I had to do it by turn three so that I could start scoring turn yeah. four and five. Um, and you, um, and if the replace scheme has already been revealed, then you have to reveal that new scheme. But obviously, I hadn't revealed Hidden Martyrs because you hadn't done anything, so I didn't have to reveal that. Yep. Yeah, and I think that's just, a, that's powerful, man, because if you're in a game and like you did, you're like, this is not going to happen. And you look at the pool and you're like, ooh, I can go do that, though. You, I mean, that was perfect. That was a great just kind of like audible to the playbook. So that was a really good call. He's but a great model. The other part of him that is just stupid, like the fact that he's eight points and anybody in the faction can bring this guy. Just talk about comprehensive notes for a second, just because it's stupid. Well, yeah, comprehensive notes <laughs> and ink fingers. So we'll talk about comprehensive notes first. It's a bonus against master or henchman only choose up to four non jokers in the targets discard pile and remove them from the game. Then during the start phase, even if Tannenbaum is no longer in play, you return those cards to their owner's discard pile. So not only are you taking out, you know, four ones, a bunch of one low cards, but you could also, you know, utilize it against enemy, take out high cards. Um, so 13s, 12s, 11s, you take them out for two whole turns. So once they've already been used, you take them out. So no, you know, any reshuffle, you're not going to get those cards back. But then you also take them out the entire next turn because the, yeah. during the third phase, you put them in your discard pile. Dude, so that's what I'm saying. Like, worst case scenario, you get rid of crappy cards out of your, your deck, right? That's exactly. worst case scenario. Best case, you screw your opponent over and you're like, oh, go ahead and take those out and you won't get to see them next turn. Have fun yep. with that. Exactly. And it's a bonus. Not only yeah. that, it's a bonus. All right. So what about his little sticky ink fingers? Because that's, to me, this is actually probably the worst part about playing against this guy. Because sure enough, when we played, I drew the the black joker. And I was just like, well, fuck, man. I mean, I'm going to have to put this in my discard pile anyways. I might as well just throw it in now. Yep, exactly. So during the end phase, the opposing player must discard their control hand. This guy is just kill on sight. This guy just needs to die. He does. And not only that, he's unimpeded, so he ignores severe terrain. He's manipulative. And he's got Chronicle Innocence. So once per activation, after another, another model within six heals... Um, this model may place the top non-Joker card of the healed model's discard pile onto the top of its owner's fate deck. So you can um, you can position him to uh, to you know, replay a, a high card. And he's chatty. He just has chatty. There's models that have, just has chatty. There's models yeah. that have to activate chatty. This guy just has it. He does. And the only thing that would the only thing that would piss me off more about this guy is if he was a henchman. Luckily, he's not. Luckily, he is not. Uh, so for people who don't know what Chatty is, enemy models within six inches must each discard a card to take the interact action. So, uh, you know, keeping him in the middle against people who who may potentially have the scheme of uh, leave your mark. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're going to have to discard a card in order to take that interact action, which is good. Yeah, he's he's just a solid pick. I don't think there's many scenarios where as an Explorers player, you don't bring Tannenbaum just because he's that good. I mean, 
he he's just good. I I there's the only crew that maybe I wouldn't bring him in is Wastrel, and that might just be because they outrun him. But then I mean, it's just yeah, they're just it's good. It it there's not many scenarios where I'm like I don't bring him. He's all yeah, he's almost an auto include for everything. Yeah, and and this is from a game where there's like not very many auto includes for sure. All right, so we're getting into scoring. You realize you're not going to score hidden martyrs, so you make up this, the call to go to um, breakthrough uh, because you kind of noticed something early on where you you said you didn't have many options with with English Ivan, and you said like, "Well, I don't know what I'm going to do with him because there's not much for him to do." So, yeah. so why did you say that? Like, what were some of the problems you were having mid game with him? So the thoughts with that is Lucius's entire crew has an ability or, you know, as long as you activate in the right order uh, where you, uh, you basically always get a negative on the duel against them, um, which is fine with English Ivan because, you know, he can get distracted on him. You know, he's got the, you know, DUA keyword. So he's got the ungentlemanly affairs, but that only brings that up to a straight. So in order to summon, which is uh, one of English Ivan's greatest, uh, you know, strengths with the uh, runic siphon is uh, being able to get multiple crows. And um, if you don't have a crow in your hands, which unfortunately I was not drawing high crows, uh, you're, you know, you're wasting uh, a soul stone and then hoping for a crow in order to get that summon off. And I just, the first turn I had it because, you know, I drew a 13 crow and it worked out well. But every other turn after that, I wasn't drawing crows. So without those English Ivan, he's not, I mean, he's not bad, but he's not the killer that he deserves to be without, <laughs> you know, without crows against the crew that he doesn't get positive. Yeah, I think that's something to notice with English Ivan, that if you can put him on an actual negative with like manipulative or like what um, Lucius has, where you're just on a negative period with Serene Continents, I, I just think that's kind of like where English Ivan struggles because he does want to summon, you know, those shadows. He does want to, you know, drop those shockwave mark. I think I think that was kind of what you resulted in. You were like, okay, you're bunched up. I'm going to throw a Black Soul Stone at you and jump over here. And you started kind of scheming with him. I actually, yeah. So I was... I was just throwing those black soul stones out, which are shockwaves, you know, damage twos. Um, friendly Umbra models can ignore them. So, you know, he really wants to get that first hit off, summon an Umbra model, and then just throw out some soul stones, making the enemies, you know, try to pass these, you know, move 13 duels. But, uh, yeah, that wasn't happening. So I, you know, his ability, his, he can move around the board. So his shade step, which is a bonus is place this model anywhere within range in concealing terrain. And then he puts out concealing terrain with a black soul stone with the black soul stone. So he could literally just shoot and then move, you know, so his base speed of four, which initially when you look at him, you're like, Oh man, this guy's real slow. He's not slow. He's actually incredibly fast. Yeah. Shade steps. Good. Uh, I was actually going to say that I think corrupted ley lines is actually probably the st- I don't know if it's the strongest pool, but it's definitely really good for uh, the DUA. I think that this was a good pool for them uh, because they could do a little bit of damage. They could, you know, jump around the board and take advantage of where the opponent is. Yeah, so it was good. I mean, I think turn three, I think you already had 
three points at that time. And I think I also had three points at that time. Yep. Turn three, we both had three. And then it was um, moving into turn four where we started really getting some, uh, started scoring against each other. Yeah. I, you with Lucius. <laughs> yeah. I think my problem was, is I started getting, I got my corrupted ley line points. So going into turn four, so getting towards the end of the game now, I had three points for the, um, for the strategy. I had one point for breakthrough and one point for leave your mark. So I was already sitting at five points and you also had your ley line points. You also had leave your mark. And I think that last turn you got your, um, breakthrough point finally with English Ivan getting through and putting one down. Right. I did. Yep. So at that point of the game, we're pretty much tied five, five. So you want to kind of explain how you felt going into that last turn. Yeah, going to the last turn, it was um, it was difficult. I mean, it was very difficult. Uh, we both had crews that could uh, pretty much score what we needed them to score. It was it, it, we just had to kind of hamper each other, and both of our crews really have ways around being hampered. Yeah, I think where it came down to though is I the I didn't have a real great ability to score the strategy on the last turn where I think it was actually pretty easy for you to do because you knew I wasn't going to damage you. So as long as you didn't get moved off of the objective with like a lure or something, I mean, it was pretty easy for you to keep the ley line or keep the, uh, the lodestone on the ley line. It was. Yep. So I think that's where it kind of went. Also uh, you, man, what was it? Was it the operative that started removing my ski markers at range? It was, and the operative has a great ability to remove those scheme markers yeah, that, at range. Yeah, that was a great tech pick because I, that prevented me from getting my other breakthrough point. So you denied me two points there, which I was just like, okay, this is a problem. <laughs> I was like, this sucks. Absolutely. Yeah, the operative uh, really comes in handy. Yeah, what's that ability called that she just rips off your scheme markers? Uh, it is arson. Oh, Instead yeah. of dropping a shockwave marker, this action must center its shockwave on target scheme marker. Yeah, that's good, man. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's at 10 inches too. So, I mean, it, it that's <laughs> she just needs to get in the right area. And if, if you're trying to deny breakthrough, they're coming to you. They are coming straight to you. So that was kind of what the problem was. And then leave your mark was the one where it's like, okay, neither of us was probably going to get the second point for that one. Just because we were kind of both in the middle. We both had models that could control the way scheme markers get dropped. So where it really came down to is you ended up getting your last ley line point and you ended up getting your last breakthrough point at the end of the game. Right. Because, man, I tell you, Ivan's just good, man. Because he has that one ability that lets him switch out a shadow marker to a scheme marker, which is just cool, man. Which is, yeah, it's it's phenomenal because, uh, you know, schemes like breakthrough you know whereas normally you'd have to get two pieces back there in order to you know position those scheme markers where they need to be positioned and still be able to get the movement off you know english ivan can just shoot you know and then transform any of those markers into a scheme marker at the end of his turn so yeah he's able to put all three of them down in one turn well dude without I, was any gonna, I was gonna say because i mean worst case scenario it's like okay i interact I shade step to a shadow marker. I interact again. And then I turn that shadow marker into, you know, another scheme marker. So it's just, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's just good. Absolutely. He's, yep. he's very flexible for sure. 
he is very flexible and I think he'd be good um, in uh, in ley lines and I'm kind of tempted to play him in symbols. Yeah, I think he could definitely go get some symbols, man. I mean, like I said, his crew is deceivingly like mobile. I, yeah, I was very mobile. I was going to say not fast, but mobile, like they're non-linear, which is always cool. I always love factions that are like that. You know me, I played a lot of Circle, which did very similar things. You did play a lot of Circle and enjoyed the ability to move all throughout the board and pounce as much as you wanted. Yeah, so I think when this one was all said and done, I think it was I think it was 7-5 is where this one probably ended up. 7-5 yeah, for English right Ivan. So, Something like that. So looking at it how, and reflecting on the game, how do you feel like English Ivan and the DUA, how did they perform in your mind in this one? Because this was very different than the first game we played with them. Yeah, we wa- we played the first game, and I really wanted to get more of a feel for the uh, the DUA and English Ivan. So I want to play a second game. Uh, I love... DUA, he is uh, this this crew is just a phenomenal crew. Very maneuverable. Uh, they they play a lot like Rezzers, which you know, as you know, is my faction. I love Rezzers. Um, they bring me back to uh, they harken back to my War Machine days and playing Cricks. Yeah, great models. They can you know they can put out a lot of damage. Uh, they can control the board. They're just very capable. A very capable crew. Yeah, that's kind of the feeling I got from them too. I think that if they're a very flexible crew, like you were going against, you went against two different crews when you played them so far. You went against Wong and then you went against, you know, Lucius. And those were two very different games because Wong actually, one, it was your first game and two, Wong put out a crap ton of, you know, shockwave markers that just really riddled your crew. But I think English Ivan's strength is recognizing when to be the hammer and when to be, you know, flexible and be scheming because he's very good. Like this crew with Lucius and some other crews, there are times where it's like, okay, I need to kill stuff because they're not going to kill me. So I need to set up the board and get rid of those important models, which you did. You got rid of my lawyer, which anybody that plays against Lucius knows lawyers are probably the most important piece in that crew. So you killed that, which was good. You really kind of hindered where I could, you know, move my pieces and you just started kind of like, okay, well, you're, I can't stop you a hundred percent, but I'm going to slow it down and make it difficult for you to get those last points. And, and that's how English Ivan ended up winning the game. He took away a couple of points at the end and that was the difference. It was all about positioning. Yep. Where, I mean, Lucius, anybody that's played with or against him knows that Lucius is a tough master to play. He's kind of very similar to Zoraida where you have to not only use your models, but you have to figure out how you're going to use your opponent's models as well. Um, if I was going to change one thing in this game, I would say I didn't mess with your position enough. I was too busy setting up my own position. You were, yeah. You almost, uh, I don't think you actually obeyed any of my models the entire game. I was going to attempt one, but I was about a half inch out with a changeling and I couldn't do it. But I was yeah. I was going to do a couple lures to get you away from my scheme runners, but I was like just a hair out, so I couldn't quite get it. Couldn't quite get it. Yep. So that was kind of my downfall there. So Chris, who is your MVP in this game? Like, who would you say was most valuable? Helped you win the game? Glad you didn't leave him at home. Tannenbaum. 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 By the by far. Uh, no, he saved the game Gibson. for you. He saved the game for me, which, you know, I mean, that's all about what an MVP is. He's 
he saved the game for me. But Gibson also did a phenomenal job. Uh, Corvus didn't do as much as I thought he would, but Corvus plays into more killy fact, more killy groups. So Gibson, I would say, was a, a good runner-up for that uh, MVP with his mechanical firefly and uh, these dark delights. Yeah, I was going to say Corvus didn't do much for you. Uh, I will say though, Corvus did some denial for me though because I didn't, I purposely didn't target him because he had the the what is it the upgrade that you put flushed, on him flush with cash. Yeah, and as we saw from when you and I played with that upgrade. I, I didn't want to give you too much benefit from that upgrade because one, I wasn't doing damage. And I think in Lucius's crew, activations and actions are very important. And I couldn't waste it on you potentially just saying, no, it doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. So even though he didn't do a lot in the game, he did deny a lot of options that I wanted to take just because of that upgrade. He's a good model. I think I, I think I was going to do one action to you and you were like, oh, sweet, I can use this and give you a soul stone. And you're like, wait, that's not worth it because that's not going to do anything that's to me. That's not going to do anything to you. Yeah, exactly. I think you were just excited to use the ability. I was excited to use the ability, but when I actually thought about it, I was like, no, you can look at my control hand. I don't know why I would care about that because <laughs> I had a five. Yeah. Like a five of masks in my hand. And I was just like, wait a second. No. Yeah. So I, I definitely agree that Tannenbaum was your MVP. That guy just, he killed it. He saved you two points that were not going to be, you were not going to get two points from Ven or not from Vendetta, but from uh hidden martyr. I was not, I was not, I was not going to give that to you. <laughs> no, I would have been lucky to get one. Yeah. But, yeah, but it wouldn't have happened. Yep. Uh, I would say my MVP looking at this, you want to know what? I'm not going to be coy about it. I'm, I'm just going to pick my master Lucius. I, I think Lucius is just, the lawyers are a close second, but Lucius did a lot of different things. He used his fancy cane to beat you down with Alan Reed when it was important. I didn't use hidden sniper because it wasn't really relevant. Uh, issue command is just where the bread and butter for this is. Uh, and you get seven cards with Lucius, which always feels good with Arcane Reservoir. Entourage for the turn one and two, where I get to move my pieces up the board with him. Uh, with a walk action is just good. Um, yeah, Lucius is just super good. And I didn't say it in the beginning, but I also put Ancient Pact on Lucius. So that way, he even if he flipped the Black Joker, it didn't matter because I can ignore it. Lucius is just a great master. He always does his planning and scheming and he's always the most important activation when you're having your turn. So when Lucius activates, you know, that's where the positioning and that's where the points are coming from. So Lucius is just the MVP of the game because he set up my points for sure. We kind of get to the end of the game. We have the explorers once again, taking the cake. So looking at explorers and looking at this keyword, I think that this is going to be one of the keywords with the more practiced you get with it the more plays you're going to have, the more tricks you're going to have to really, really just be flexible in those important turns. And I think that's where this crew kind of separates itself from other Explorer crews. I would have to definitely agree with that statement. And I look forward to getting more practice with this crew because I will be playing the DUA again. Yeah. And I think the DUA is actually coming out like in February. So, I mean, they're coming out pretty soon here. So you need to save your pennies and, and your bucks there. I'm excited. <laughs> I know that we're painting up stuff because as soon as I get like the apex and I, I 
think the next one we're going to focus on is the Wastrel crew, just because it looks like a lot of fun, man. I'm really excited to give that one a try. So that's probably one of the next ones we're going to be talking about. But we're going to get this stuff painted up. We're going to do some battle reports because, one, these models look awesome on the board. And two, I think people are wanting more like online video content for these cool masters and the cool crews and the combos that people are doing with this stuff. So that's something I know you and I are both going to work on moving forward here. Absolutely. I can't wait to play on camera. <laughs> you better put your, you know, fancy shirt on cause they might see fancy your sleeves. Shirt. That's right. <laughs> that's, that's the game. It, it was a great game. It was a lot of fun to play and I would highly recommend, man, if you, if you have a play style, so, the Explorers are just a great faction because you and I are both discussing this as they're coming out and we're playing them. We're finding that like you like two masters, I like two masters, and you don't even have to pick up the whole faction. You can just pick up the two or three masters that you really love from this new new set. Absolutely. Which is awesome because it saves money on uh, both our ends, right? It saves a lot of money on both our <laughs> ends because, you know, Rezzers, I picked up every single master I like. I enjoy Rezzers as a faction whole. But explorers, they've it. It's got a lot of fun, and they play different too. And they play a lot different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, a lot of cool mechanics, and I, I just, I can't wait to see you play English Ivan against kind of a more vanilla faction crew, because I, I can't wait to see more shadows on the board, more umbras, because yes. I think so far in the two games, you've only been able to summon maybe three umbras, maybe. It's yeah, max three. I think the first game I might have gotten two out. Yeah. But the second game, with all that, uh, I just got lucky, you know, getting that high crow, being able to pull out that broken specter because you know every other turn I just I, I couldn't. Yeah, it wasn't but feasible. That's also refreshing because you know there are some masters who are summoners that they have to summon to win the game, whereas English Ivan, it's very clear that yeah, you want to summon a couple of things. But you can still win it's the game pivotal. without them. Yeah, it's absolutely not pivotal. Yeah, that, that was a great game, man. We had a lot of fun. Hopefully everybody had as much fun listening to us talk about it with these new cool models coming out. And it's, it's just really exciting time to be playing Malifaux. It is absolutely an exciting time to be playing Malifaux. So make sure that you guys check us out on Facebook, Twitter. Make sure that if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel, uh, we got video content. I'm actually going to put out a new video here soon of the uh, X-Wing version 2.0. Uh, that's uh, something that our local meta has been interested in. And my local game store just happened to have a box of it that we're going to crack open, see what's in it, see what the conversion's like, and kind of talk about that a little bit more as well. So make sure you check us out on all those different areas. And until next time, make sure that you guys flip cards, flip tables. See ya.